Please pray with me. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 I invite you to be seated. Eleven years ago, I was at a training in Little Rock, and it was for uh, a number of clergy leaders in in the Anglican Church. And um, there was a speaker who was there to talk about stewardship and generosity. His name is Gary Hogue. Maybe you've heard of him. And he just told his story and opened the scriptures and kind of covered ground that, you know, I've been in the ministry a while, it's stuff I've heard before, um, but about God's generous heart and God's view of things and his call to us to be stewards and what that looks like. And as it began, I thought, well, just another teaching, you've heard it before, but as the, the day unfolded, as the weekend unfolded, really, the Lord, well, the Holy Spirit just whammied me. It's the best way I can say it. That's a good word, by the way, to be whammied by the Holy Spirit. That's good. And here's what happened. You know, last week, if you're here, I talked about how we need to baptize our wallets. And the Lord showed me that, not like my friend, my wallet wasn't all the way out of the water, but it was only partially in the water. And, and here's what was interesting. As, as, as the Lord showed me that, um, I, I heard the voice of my wife because she'd been encouraging me in, in a very good way and calling me to go to a deeper place in our stewardship. And my attitude was like, hey, Trudy, come on. You know, we tithe to the church. We give our tenth. We're doing that. And we pay our bills. And so, you know, the rest of it, just, let's just, we just do what we want to do with the rest of, the rest of it. So, so I was doing pretty good. But Ben had the whole wallet baptized, but she'd gone there already. And she was longing for me to join her in that place. And uh, the truth is, I mean, at the, when I was living that, thinking that way, I didn't realize it, but, you know, I wounded her. And, 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 I, and I just didn't, wasn't sensitive to her heart and what the Lord was saying through her. But that weekend... <laughs> The Lord showed me I was wrong. And you know what? That's a good thing. When you're going the wrong way and the Lord shows you, that's a good thing. That's an act of his love and his generosity and his care for you. And, and I called her up. I said, Trudy, and I sort of unfolded what's happening. And she just started weeping and weeping. And at that moment, that conversation 11 years ago, we experienced a dramatic life change around our stuff around our, our finances and our, our, what we own. And we both got to a place where our wallets were fully baptized. And so we've been walking that journey out for about 11 years. And, and in that journey, we learned about God's call to us to be wise stewards. So last week, if you're here, um, which by the way, last week's sermon is on our Four Practices podcast. You can listen to it if you missed it. We talked about how God calls us to baptize our wallet. And the heart of what I said was this. To get your wallet baptized starts with giving everything to Jesus, letting Jesus own everything, which paradoxically he already owns. 
But, you know, that doesn't mean we've let him own it. We can still try to claim it, but to give him everything. But today I want to begin to talk about, today and next week, how to practically live that out. And so I want to talk about three, three ideas about how to be a wise steward of the things God has given to us. I won't say everything. There are things that won't get mentioned. These are three, I think, sort of super essential things that all of us as disciples of Jesus, if we get, will shape us. And it really, what I want to say flows out of all of our readings, but this reading from the gospel where Jesus says in Luke 16, 10, one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. One of the points of what Jesus is saying is this. Money isn't this unreligious, spirit, unspiritual thing over here. It's central to our spiritual formation. My conviction, I've seen in my own life, I've seen the scriptures, seen others' lives, is when I get my money fully baptized, my things fully baptized, and get on track with stewardship, it affects my whole Christian life. But until I get that part done, there's kind of a roadblock. Not completely. God's with us. God loves us. He's not mean-spirited. But, but there's a dimension we miss when we don't get this un- oriented towards Jesus. I think what he said in last week's gospel, he said, where your treasure is, is where your heart is. So when you get your treasure fully in the hands of Jesus, your heart just gets way more in the hands of Jesus. He designed it that way. And it's a great gift. In fact, this text from Luke, you could hear it as Jesus wagging his finger. I don't think it's what he's doing at all. I think he's saying, I've given you something that's part of everyone's life. There isn't any person, rich, poor, middle class, whatever, that has to wrestle with their resources. And if you can be, I'm giving you a way to be faithful and be formed in a part of life that everyone has. It's a gift. It's God being super practical in meeting us right where we are. So, three things I want to talk about. First one, how to be a wise steward. And the first thing we need to learn to do is to be wise with our work. So you might want to take your hand out and let's look at this Thessalonians passage again. I'm going to look at verses 11 and 12. And St. Paul writes this, I want you to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Now, Paul lived in a time that like one one hundredth of one percent of people didn't work with their hands. So you have to know the context. He's just, I think we need to say he's talking about work. But this text, among many others, affirms what we learn in the book of Genesis. God created work. Work is good. Work is a gift. God designed us to work. It says in the Torah, we work six days, we rest seven. Six out of seven, we work. Why? Because work is a gift. Now, the fall has brought a curse on it, and there's toil, and it's not all positive, but it's still fundamentally a gift, and it's a good thing. I mean, think, if you've ever known someone who's out of work, trust me, they think work is a gift. It's a beautiful gift. And there's so much to work that we can talk about. We can talk about discerning your vocation, all sorts of really important things, but one purpose of work is provision. It simply is provision. It's how God designed us to provide for ourselves. And it's right and good in scriptures if we're able to work provide for ourselves. Obviously, there's some people that for physical reasons or maybe economic reasons can't work. That's different. That's where the community 
comes in and provides. But when we're able to work, we're called to work. And it's God's way of making provision in our life. And I think one of the most important lessons, it's a lesson that's woven through the book of Proverbs. I don't want to print like 20 different verses and string them together in a handout, so I'll just say this. You can see this thread that runs through the book of Proverbs, and it's what I call the diligence thread. How, how super important to God hard work and diligence is. And so we're called to that, and I think part of what God calls us to in that is this. This is kind of the point I want to get to. To be a wise steward, we need to, all things being equal, try to earn all we can. I think all things being equal, we should try to earn all we can. Now, what do I mean by all things equal? Well, you know, you have a calling on your life. So probably if I had an industrial engineering degree and I ran a land line at the Toyota plant, I'd probably be doing a little, bit, a little better than I am as a priest. But the problem is I can never get algebra problems right. So I know God's not called me to be an engineer of any kind. It's not going to happen. So obviously not everyone can do everything. We have different gifts, different callings. But within the framework of that, it is wise and good to try to provide well as best we can. And it's part of wise stewardship. It's not unspiritual. It's not just sort of an American consumerist thing. There's a way we can take that to a negative place where we become workaholics, make an idolatry out of work, make idolatry out of earning. But don't let the wrong use of that steer you away from the right use. It is right and good. In fact, St. Paul writes in one of the pastoral epistles about people providing for their family and how if you don't do that, it's ungodly. It's, it's just super practical. Where It's right that we work and make a living and earn all we can. I could say a lot more about that. But I think that's a holy thing. And if you wise stewards, we're called to do that. Second way to be a wise steward is we need to learn how to be wise in what we spend. Jesus is kind of talking about that in this text. It's part of a larger text. And just what God's given us, be wise with how we spend it. Now I need to say something here. This is not a strong point for me. I'm one of these people that I'll pull my wallet out and I'll go, man, I thought there was $40 in there. What, what did I spend that on? This is like the story of my life. This is not true, Trudy, my wife Trudy back there. It's just, you know, I'm not a natural good with money person. So don't hear me like coming from a place of, I get this all together, people. You got to fix this. I'm a struggler. But the truth is still stands that Jesus wants us to be wise in how we spend. A lot we could say there's all, there are many principles about where we spend our money and all kinds of things. And those are important, but that's not what I want to talk about today. I want to talk it's very, very brass tacks. And, and I think it's just common sense. I don't know if I have a Bible verse in this, but I think it's God's truth. The first step to being a wise steward in how we spend is simply learn how to spend less than we earn. That's, I believe, God's call for us. To try as best we can. Maybe some people are in such a place of, of challenge that can't happen, but for most of us it can. And to learn how to set aside a couple of things first before you even spend. And so I'm not going to talk about how to make a budget. No worry. I don't know how to make one. I'm not good at it. But, but I will say this. I think the Lord would say to us, based on a lot of things that show up in Scripture, 
the, the kind of four things. You know, we start with our giving. The first fruits always go to the Lord. We're going to talk about that next week, actually, in more detail. But that's first. And then if we can, even if it's a dollar a month, we save something. Then we use the rest to make our obligations. And then what's left over, I think we can enjoy. Maybe a little, maybe a lot. People are in different places, different life stages. That has to be all applied with wisdom in specific places, but those four things are kind of the general truths. And so I think as, as disciples of Jesus, to think about how to spend wisely is not sort of this, well, i, I got to worry about my money. It's just a burden of this fallen world. No, 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 no. It's central to formation. He who is faithful in little is faithful in much. And the little Jesus is talking about is money. And those four things are kind of the heart of how to faithfully use the resources we earn. Most of us live off when we earn and then faithfully steward it. And then the third thing, and again, I could say a lot of other things, but the third thing that we need to do to be a wise steward is to be wise how we borrow. In their Proverbs text, it's actually seven different Proverbs, but number seven is the one I want us to hone in on today. The writer of Proverbs says, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is the slave of the lender. Now in the context then, in Old Testament Israel, Borrowing was actually a kind of way to provide for the poor. People would get in desperate straits, and they'd, they'd lend, borrow money. And if they couldn't pay it back, they literally, literally became kind of an indentured servant to pay it back. That's what the writer of Proverbs is pointing to. But there's a deeper reality, because you know what? As long as you owe someone money, they have a claim on you. Always. Always. Credit card, school loan mortgage, anytime you borrow, they're the ones in control, always. And so I think this text, and this is one of a whole cluster in Proverbs, invite us to be wise about our borrowing. Now some Christian teachers, a few, teach that borrowing at all is wrong. That's not my conviction. I think the majority of Christians don't agree with that. I think we're called to be wise about it. There, there are wise times to borrow. Obviously, if you can get a mortgage on a house, that's wise. Some people, like a farmer, I grew up in Iowa, farmers usually had to borrow money at the beginning of the season to buy seed, and they could look ahead and predict the markets, and it was a wise thing to run their business. That's how they managed it. There's, there's wisdom. But I think what the Lord would say to us is, we need to learn how to be really careful about this area of our lives. You know, it's really easy to get credit cards, and credit cards can really easily just be plastic bondage if you're not careful. Um, and you know that story of where the Lord spoke to me? Part of what came out of that is we had some plastic bondage in our house, and it, it was my fault. We just had gotten ahead of ourselves, and we had to pay that all down. So I know what it's like to live with that, you know. But, but I could go on. But, but the point is, is, especially in our culture where we, we, we have a kind of capital-intensive culture where lending is central to what we do, in a lot of ways it's important to our economy as individuals, we have to be careful about it and not let it put us in bondage. All three of these things link together in this one way. If we can live this way, it's a way to walk in freedom with the Lord. That's what the Lord wants for us. 
If we aren't wise about our work, if we're not wise about what we spend, if we're not wise about debt, we put ourselves in a kind of bondage where we're not as free to serve and respond to the Lord. And the Lord wants us to be free, and he wants us to be self-controlled in how we use our money. Well, like I said, I could say a lot more about this. I'm just touching on a few things, and I will actually in my podcast this week say some more stuff that hopefully is practical. But, but before I close, let me say this. If, if as you're listening today, I hope if any of these are struggle areas for you, you're not feeling condemned. I hope you're not feeling shamed. I hope you're not feeling judged. That is not the purpose of this. What I hope is maybe the Lord's inviting you to pay attention to this if you need to. And what I would say is this. If you're in a place where you think, man, Father Pete, I struggle with all this stuff. I'm embarrassed. I, I need help. Let me say this to you. I want to encourage you to reach out to me just alone. Don't tell anyone else. I'll keep you completely confidential. I won't help you, but I can connect you with people in our church that know how to sit down and help you learn how to budget your money, learn how to get spending in order, learn how to work on debt, and begin to build a life of faithful stewardship. It, you know, the, the heart you got to have is, whatever's in the past, it's done, it's over. Don't worry about it. Just start where you are and begin to take the first step into faithful stewardship and wise stewardship that the Lord invites you into. Well, as I said in the beginning, Trudy and I have been on this journey for 11 years, and we've done pretty good. Um, we've had some times we have to retool. In fact, just a few weeks ago, we sat down and said, you know, our stewardship boat just got a little leaky. We need to retool some things. We sat down and talked through our spending and what we're doing. And so no one ever gets this all right. No one ever gets this all together. It's a constant work. But here's what we've experienced. And I say this utter sincerity. There's been a freedom and a liberty spiritually in our lives because we've paid attention to our money and saw it as central in our, in our things, as central to our walk with Jesus and not sort of set it aside as that sort of worldly life stuff and then Jesus stuff is here. When we brought that right in the middle of our relationship with Jesus, the dynamic of our walk with him, and our, our, our ability to trust him grew, our ability to see him work in our lives grew, and, and our hearts, this is one of the biggest things, and I'll talk about this more next week, our hearts for generosity have expanded. And it was a work, it's a work of God in our lives because we, we begin to focus on this area of life. So, um, I just want to encourage you, if the Lord's speaking to you about any of this, just, just to bring it to him. Pay attention to this. Again, if you need some help, reach out to me. You can text me, email me, call me, corner me in the church, and I'll work with you confidentially and privately to connect you with someone who could help you sit down and work on this really, really important area of spiritual formation in Jesus so that in the area of stewardship, you can become more like Jesus. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.